Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a destination. We are finally here. Let's go. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Destination Dynasty. I am your gracious host, Scott Connor. You can find me on X at Charles Chill FFB. Everything over at Destination Devi at DestinationDevi.com. Join the Patreon, patreon.com backslash all the gas. If you join the Destination 5 tier or the DTI 5 tier on Patreon, you do get extra content during the week in the Discord, including a private podcast feed where anything that is recorded in the Discord will go on that feed. So more to come with that. And going forward, there's going to be some interesting content coming out on Destination Chill. Uh, Stay tuned. We're working on something that'll help everybody understand war, understand the tools on the website, and understand better roster construction. And that leads into this episode and the start of another four, maybe five-part series talking roster construction. And this time, we are going to focus on best ball. I recommend everybody, if you're interested in kind of what has changed from my perspective, You can listen to the Best Ball Roster Construction Series that I did last year. Uh, It was a co-promotion with the former 4D Chess Show. The air dates were March 6th, 10th, 13th, and 17th of 2023, talking Best Ball Roster Construction. And people are probably wondering, why would I go back and listen to an old series? Well, that is evergreen content. You can ignore some of the player names that get mentioned Uh, But the content regarding roster construction, I do think is helpful to go back and listen to because there has been some things that have changed just a little bit. And then episode 52 of Destination Dynasty, if you just search the five important components of best ball, I did an episode talking about that during the season. Some things that I have learned over my first couple years playing a best ball portfolio. Last year was the first year. I really did a full best ball portfolio, or you could call it enough teams to really consider it a mini portfolio. And I just posted some things that I had learned on the fly in that episode. So all of those are references to kind of what we're going to talk about in this series. Uh, And we're going to start with tight end, and I'm going to make it simple. Anybody that listened to the lineup roster construction series, uh, which has aired over the past two months here on the feed, 
Uh, this is going to be a similar format, so I'm not going to change the format. We're going to stick with a 12-team Superflex start 11, 30-man rosters, 1.75 tight end premium. So we're going to stick with the same format. Now, I do understand, and a lot of my best ball leagues have more starters, more roster spots. Some of the rules might be a little different. One thing that you will notice uh, in best ball, especially if you play on sleeper, but I've even noticed it in other platforms, is a lot of times best ball leagues do not incorporate injured reserve. And if they do, it's usually limited. And there's not as much leeway when it comes to stashing players. And I think that's on purpose. And before we even get into this, if you're looking to start a best ball league or join a best ball dynasty league, I think it is important to understand those components as well. Because if you think about generally the week-to-week management in season, in a lineup league, most of the time, the back end of your roster, even in a deeper league, a start 13, a start 12, the back end of your roster isn't generally going to matter that much from a week-to-week basis. So having injured reserve spots where you can put players, I mean, sure, it can give you an extra roster spot or two during the week or during the season, but it's not usually impacting your starting lineup. It's not impacting the wins or losses for your team. It may impact the potential points a little bit, but generally it doesn't matter as much. And you will see people in lineup leagues, you know, they'll take a week or two to put a player on injured reserve. You know, even if you can place players that are out for the week on injured reserve, people still won't do it right away because it doesn't really matter that much. In best ball, it's important to understand all the roster parameters. So not just how many starters, not just how many roster spots, but you have to understand the injured reserve rules. You have to understand the taxi squad rules. You basically have to have a handle on managing every roster spot. Understanding the waivers, understanding the fab for the season. When does it reset? You know, understanding all of those things is more important. And I talk about that on that five important components show. I touch on some of these things in there, but these are more important in best ball because the number one rule of thumb in best ball, especially in deeper competitive best ball leagues, is you want to maximize your bites at the apple every single week meaning you can't afford to keep a player that goes on injured reserve on a Friday. You can't afford to keep them on your active roster and not click that injured reserve assignment for another week. You've lost out on a potential player that could fire in your lineup. And as you start playing deeper leagues, you start to realize, man, every roster spot counts. And to the week-to-week management, and again, I mentioned this on that show, if you're in especially a deeper best ball league, you have to make decisions on players that are not going to be available for not even the short term, but just generally not going to be available for a little while. Call it two weeks, even one week. You have to make decisions on guys that are going to miss a game or they're on a buy. There's a part of your roster, call it the last 10, 20% of your roster. You have to look and say, do I really want to hold this type of player? on a buy. Are they replaceable off waivers in terms of the percentage chance that they could hit my lineup? Are they replaceable in a one-week period to where they have no dynasty value? Their dynasty value is essentially, are they useful to me this week? Meaning somebody else may not even pick them up if they're not useful to me this week. So you have to do that assessment week to week. And that's one of the biggest things about best ball is roster construction is important. No doubt. And we're going to talk through 
some of the components. We're going to do tight end today. That's going to be the first one because tight end is very different. And I'm going to try to do them in the same order that I did the lineup league construction. But I'm going to start with tight end here as I did in the previous one, but not because I did them in the same order because I do think tight end with the way the landscape is positioned right now, it is one of the most fascinating positions for best ball. Lineup, it's real easy. Lineup, I kind of just went over the tight end and talked about how very, very few formats lend you to wanting to flex tight ends. Thus, I don't really care who your tight ends are. You can have two elite tight ends. You can have an elite one and a good one. You can just have two decent ones. But the idea with tight ends is what you don't want to do is waste a ton of roster spots on tight ends. It's basically make your bets, pick the two tight ends that you're betting on, and understand that, you know, the better or worse that they are is dependent on, you know, if you get the picks right. But also you're kind of accepting that if you have just kind of two top 15 tight ends, but not really guys you expect to finish top five or better, you're kind of just accepting that you're going to roll with one of them or you're going to platoon them. And you're just going to accept that tight end 11 war that whatever you're going to get for the year, that's what you're going to take. And that's okay. You're just locking it in. You're not wasting roster spots and you're going to prioritize getting positional advantage at the other spots. And that's okay. But in best ball, it's different. Lineup leagues, it's like roster two, pick where you want to be on the scale and just don't pay any more attention to it. In best ball, it's much different because I think a couple things apply. We'll talk through it in terms of allocating those 30 roster spots. So 1.75 tight end premium. So if you look at 1.75 tight end premium, you're looking at just the baseline war for 1.75 and you pull it up. And at first you're kind of like, you know, it doesn't really matter that much. I mean, in generally the war in 1.75 tight end premium does not matter that much. So if you pull up just a random 1.75 tight end premium league and you just look at the war distribution, go to the war tool and look at the three-year average and just kind of look at the tight end position, look at the distribution, look where in general those players fire relative to the other positions. And you can kind of see it looks pretty pedestrian. A lot of these graphs look very, very much the same, meaning they'll start off with a pretty decent spike at the top. Even in 1.75, you'll see four or five tight ends up there, you know, pretty decent 1.5 above 1.5 in war. And then you'll see kind of a gradual drop off into the point where it starts to get down closer to 0.5 and it starts to go down to zero right around tight end 20, right around tight end 25, somewhere in that range. But you see this pretty steady drop off from like tight end five to six, all the way down to tight end 20. And wherever the cutoff point, you got to look at it in your league, what it looks like relative to the other positions. It'll change slightly. Um, I just looked at one earlier today that was a 14 team league. So with that, obviously it's going to stretch it out a little bit. It's also going to depend on your running back scoring, you know, how much flexes are involved here. The running back scoring is point per carry. It's going to obviously dilute the tight ends a little bit more. But generally, just look at the distribution. A lot of the tight end distribution, when you're not talking about a hyper premium like two PPR or start two tight ends, it looks totally different. It's all generally the same. 
And everyone kind of knows it, right? Like, give me an elite tight end, and then everything else doesn't matter. However, however, we're not talking a lineup league here, right? This is why it gets more complicated in best ball. So we have 30 roster spots to allocate. And so now we're trying to figure out, okay, clearly the tight end advantage does matter if you can get it. Now, the problem is with last year's tight end landscape being so top heavy, and then this past season, when I say last year, I'm thinking 2022, and 2023 being this past season, even though that's technically last year. If you look at 2023 and you look at the tight end scoring in 2023, sure, you had tight ends at the top that were quote-unquote difference makers. I mean, you look at just PPR points per game. You know, you had three tight ends above 14 points per game with Hawkinson, Kelsey, and Sam Laporta. And then you had two others that were above 13 with Evan Ingram and Mark Andrews, even though he did get injured. You know, you had two more that were in that 13 points per game range. And then it kind of slowly just continued to trickle down. But you had you had more tight ends that were kind of in that not elite tier. Because again, the top tier tight end in 2023, nowhere close to what the elite tight ends had been in years past. So there wasn't really a true difference making, like war breaking tight end in 2023. But because you had those top five over 13, and then you had a couple others, David Njoku and George Kittle that scored over 12 points per game. And then you had a couple others that were in double figures. Jake Ferguson, Trey McBride, Cole Komet, Dalton Schultz. So you had a different distribution in 2023. Now, is that predictive of what the tight ends are going to look like going forward? I don't know. Because you would think that, and then something different happens next year, and boom, you're right back to square one. But what it did kind of make interesting is when you look at this from a best ball lens, at the top, they really concentrated together and kind of clustered together. But it also appears when that's the case, when you look at the war, that it looks like it's deeper, but it also looks like the drop-off in terms of what's a difference maker looks like it doesn't exist anymore. So when you look at the construction, you're now trying to figure out, okay, what is the baseline? Let's just call the baseline nine points per game. Like That's what you have to hit to be a quote-unquote replacement value tight end. And I think it's going to be a little bit lower than that if you're talking best ball, because historically, and I'm going to pull up one of my leagues right now, historically, if you're looking, let's just call it tight end 26. That's where you're essentially getting zero war from the tight end on average. So then you look at where is that line in 2023, you're down to seven points per game or so. And then you're trying to incorporate the fact, okay, I have 30 roster spots to play with. How do I play it? And I think that's the big thing with tight end is people in 1.75, 1.5 tight end premium, they're always chasing the elite. So if you think about the difference in price between somebody like Sam Laporta and somebody like Kyle Pitts right now, now it's off season. So if you're talking market value, it might be closer together. But then you start going down the line and you look at the guys that do not have that ADV, as Ray would call it. Kyle Pitts has a lot of ADV. You know, he finishes tight end 16, tight end 11, tight end 12. His ADV is still, because of his prospect profile, his draft capital, his age, he's still going to come in at tight end 4, tight end 5 in Dynasty. But then you go down further and you look at some of the intriguing names that this year finished in that range. 
you know, somebody like Hunter Henry, somebody like Dalton Schultz, go down a little bit further and you see guys in the past like Tyler Higby, Tyler Conklin. And you start looking at like, what is that cutoff line? Now, from a week to week basis, here's the other thing to kind of understand. The flex rules still apply, right? Like ideally, especially in best ball, you don't really want to be flexing your tight ends. Now it may happen, but you don't want to go, okay, I'm planning on flexing my tight ends. So even though it's best ball, you don't have to pick when to start these guys. You don't start your roster construction saying, oh, well, I'll just take a fourth tight end or a fifth tight end because it's best ball and they may hit my flexes. Even in best ball, they don't hit the flexes as often as you would think. Now, obviously, it depends on the strength of your receivers and the strength of your running backs, but you don't say, oh, well, they're going to hit my flexes more because it's best ball. It may be a couple times a year that that happens, but generally, you're not planning on it. And I think that's the biggest thing is people sometimes will look at, well, you know, they're similar to some of my receivers in best ball. You know, they can fit into my flex spots. You know, that's going to be true when you're wide receiver 11, 12, 13. You're talking about guys that you're pulling from the very, very bottom saying, hey, if they can give me one to two weeks during this season, hell, one week, then fine. Yeah, your tight ends are probably going to hit your flex spots over those guys. But again, we're talking to start 11 here. So generally, we're not looking at the tight ends going into it as these guys are going to hit my flex spots. So how do I want to roster construct here? So for me, if I was doing a brand new startup right now, and I'm looking at attacking the tight end position, you do have to have volume. That's the first thing. You're not limiting yourself to two tight ends. Even if somehow you manage to snag Sam Laporta, even if you manage to find even two of the top eight tight ends, let's say you take Sam Laporta, turn around, bring it back, you draft George Kittle as well. So now you have, in theory two top eight tight ends, 10 tight ends, production-wise, maybe two top six tight ends. And you're sitting there thinking, okay, do I need more? Do I need to have more? Even though I have two top eight ones, do I need to have more? And in best ball, the answer is yes. In best ball, that is the number one rule of thumb at tight end, even at 1.75 premium. You need more tight ends on your roster. So I'm going to allocate the number here. If I have 30 roster spots, we're going to allocate the number of five to six. So let's say five. So what do I want those other three to look like? Let's just assume I've drafted two in that top 12 range. I probably want to get two in that range. I'd prefer to get two in the top eight, but sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes you don't even get one that you think might be in the top eight. And you can play it this way. You just have to kind of understand that construction. And if you do not get a top six, top eight tight end, that's okay. But you have to make sure that you focus on getting those five and hitting that number before you get to that tight end 25, tight end 30 range. And that's where I think you can exploit the current market. So if you're doing a startup and you're doing a best ball startup, you can play quantity over quality at the tight end position. Now, how do you assess that? Because here's the weird thing. When you start getting down below that top 15 or so from a dynasty perspective, that's when it's a complete wild, wild west in terms of who those players are actually going to be. 
So if you just pull up like keep trade cuts, tight end rankings, it's pretty easy to navigate the top. Everyone knows who the top, I don't know, eight tight ends are going to be. You have Laporta, you have McBride, you have Kincaid, you have Pitts, Hawkinson, Andrews, Travis Kelsey is still in there. And then whoever you want to throw in, Evan Ingram, David Njoku, George Kittle. Then you have a couple young guys in there. You got Michael Mayer thrown in there. Jake Ferguson will be thrown in there. The Packers guys may be in there. Dallas Goddard probably still hanging around in there sometime in the top 12. Cole Komet. So it appears pretty deep. But then it drops off. You get to tight end 20, and now you're looking at Chigakonkwo, Kate Otten, Greg Dulcich, Jawan Johnson, Noah Fant, Gerald Everett. Got some old guys in there. Noah Gray. I shouldn't say Noah Gray's old. Darren Waller. Dawson Knox, just randoms. You know, you're down to the point where you're at tight end 30. You're looking at Daniel Bellinger, not even a starter. Tight end 32, Hunter Henry. Now you're starting to see some productive guys. Tight end 36, Tyler Higby. Tight end 41, Tyler Conklin. 42, Logan Thomas. So you're down in a range where it's like, clearly these guys have very little dynasty value. But they're important to your construction in a 1.75 tight end premium best ball league. So really you have to do that assessment. You're not drafting tight ends for value. This is something that I harp on over and over. And I think I've beat it to death in the lineup league construction. I am not drafting tight ends for the value. And it applies to best ball as well. In lineup, if I said, hey, I want to add Brock Bowers to the team. I get a lot of Brock Bowers questions in lineup leagues. People will say, where should I take Brock Bowers? And my answer has now become, I don't care about the format. Take him wherever you want to take him. But the number one rule, your roster construction must fit drafting Brock Bowers. It is a mistake if you have Mark Andrews and Jake Ferguson and you're even considering drafting Brock Bowers. I don't care where you're getting him. You're probably better off saying, I shouldn't make the pick Brock Bowers. I should trade the pick, whatever that pick is. And that's generally the same in best ball. You're not drafting tight ends as investment pieces. There's very few tight ends, if any, that I say, if I have this guy in a 1.75 tight end premium start one league, Insert any tight end you want. Sam Laporta, Brock Bowers. They are not moving the needle to go get you an elite asset somewhere else. When you're in your startup and you go, man, I'm really considering that tight end advantage, Sam Laporta, at the 211 in my startup. Immediately, as soon as you hit draft, the bet you've just made is he's a difference maker at the position. You didn't just make an investment. Whether that investment is even potentially true is entirely dependent on the positional advantage production. Unlike drafting a quarterback, you draft Brock Purdy there, you draft A.J. Brown there, they have more market viability if you wanted to go trade for something different. What I've found is if you have Sam Laporta, even in a 1.75 tight end premium, if you're trying to move him to another elite asset, it's kind of like, ah, oh, man, it's tight end. I don't really know. 
there's a lot of pushback. So it's the same with best ball is the number one rule aside from quantity over quality. You are not picking tight ends as investments. So in a way that makes building my tight end room a lot easier. I look at the war in my league. I try to figure out where that kind of dead zone, but also in best ball, I'd call it the sweet spot of where you're going to be able to start getting some deals. And it's very easy to correlate that with the keep trade cut values. I mean, you see on keep trade cut where it drops off like a rock tight end 20. You're getting down into a range where all these tight ends are worth a third round pick at best. And then you look at the war and you go, man, you know, if I'm able to nail a couple of these tight ends here that just crack the top 20, I'm going to have a viable tight end room at a very cheap cost. So I think that's the key. That's the way that I'm going to play it this year. Would I like to have an anchor? Yes. Would I like to have a tight end that I can bank on having four or five of those big spike weeks, you know, 25 point weeks or something, you know, obviously a guy that's averaging 12, 13 points per game in a regular PPR, you can tack on probably three and a half, four points per game more, you know, 1.75 premium there. And I want to have one of those guys, or at least somebody that's in striking distance to give me, it's not even consistency to give me that four or five weeks during the year where they're just weak breaking weeks. And I don't even have to worry about do any of my other tight ends score a touchdown? Do any of my other tight ends fire? Because again, I'm not planning to flex them. But what I can also do in the current landscape is I can add, and you have to do a little assessment on what does their depth chart look like? You know, what have they done in the past? Don't really care that much about target share for tight ends outside of the elite ones. But I do think you can navigate that secondary range where you say, all right, if I have a top eight tight end, I can probably shoot for four more that just fit in that range of tight end 15 to 30. And I don't care about the dynasty value. So that's the other thing is you can look at the dynasty value and go, Ooh, all right. Cade Otten is tight end 21 in dynasty, but I don't care about his dynasty value. Cause when you're in that range, their dynasty value is irrelevant. The order of where they fall is irrelevant. Whether you're tight end 20 or tight end 50, it moves the needle very little from a dynasty value standpoint. And it's also true from a liquidation standpoint. Even in best ball, if you have tight ends in this range, they are essentially worth what somebody else sees their week-to-week contribution to their roster construction to be. Meaning, if you find yourself in a best ball league and you have a guy, Hunter Henry is a great example, because Hunter Henry has posted numerous top 15 seasons. And I think he's generally pretty good relative to kind of the respect that he gets. I mean, if you look at his dynasty value, it's all the way in the tank. Tight end 32. Yet you look at some of the names ahead of him. I mean, Brevin Jordan is ahead of him. Dawson Knox is ahead of him. Luke Schoonmaker is ahead of him. Greg Dulcich is ahead of him. I mean, we're talking guys that have hardly done anything. But that also tells me that it's pure hopium and just pure preference in that range. But what it also says is if Hunter Henry starts off next year, like he did this year, you know, multi-touchdown game, looks like he's going to be one of the top two or three targets on the team. There is no tight end 32 on Hunter Henry. You can't go up to tight end 20, Chigakonkwo, and go, hey, I'll give you Chigakonkwo for Hunter Henry if Chigakonkwo is getting one target a game. 
like th- there is no gap there, even though these rankings or keep trade cut will tell you there's a massive gap. Oh, you should be able to trade Chiga Conquo for Hunter Henry. But the reality is in a best ball league, what they're doing week to week is the only thing that drives their value. So you can kind of just put your hands up and resign and say, when I'm building a tight end room, there is a point where the value is irrelevant, which may lend you in your league to be able to say, hey, I'm going into next year. I don't have enough tight ends. I need to buy a Gerald Everett. I need to buy a Hunter Henry. I need to buy a Tyler Higby. And you should be able to go to somebody and say, I'm willing to give you a third round pick. Willing to give you a fourth and a fifth. You know, whatever it might be. But they should be acquirable. So that's the good news, is the way that the landscape looks right now, the way that it works in best ball, you can get by with kind of just throwing shit together for a season at tight end. And understanding that the dynasty value is already irrelevant when you're building the room. So there's nothing to really even worry about. Oh man, this guy lost dynasty value. Sure. You know what Hunter Henry losing dynasty value looks like from a best ball perspective? He just goes away. He's a cut. As soon as he loses his viability of producing inside the top 20, top 25, he's just not worth a roster spot. And that's one thing I wanted to mention when you're building tight end rooms in best ball. Be careful. This is where you can get stuck, and people tend to do this more in best ball. And I don't want to say it's due to my roster construction principles, but generally I'm seeing people are better in lineup leagues at not wasting spots on tight end. I've done a ton of roster reviews and did it calls for people, and I think generally people start to get it. Even in like a 1.75 or a 1.5 premium, they don't waste spots on tight end. I mean, that's one of the first things I look at in lineup leagues. Hammer at home. Do not waste spots at tight end in lineup leagues. Best ball, though, and I'm guilty of it. I have a couple best ball teams. You look at them, and even if they have a couple more starters, generally I play start 12 or start 13 in best ball. So I may have a couple more roster spots as well. Usually you want to have like a 35% ratio or so of starters to total roster spots. So even if those are 32 or 35-man rosters, I still look at my roster construction and go, I'm violating one of the major rules of best ball roster construction at tight end, and it's not rostering zeros. And we see it all the time. You look at somebody's roster and you go, man, I'm carrying, let's see, what name could I pick out? How about I'm carrying some Will Mallory, Josh Wiley, Brenton Strange. Ooh, I got an Albert Oakwebenom I'm stashing in a tight end premium best ball league. Now, in the offseason, you can get a little liberal with that. If you want to take a shot on a player, fine. But what you don't want to do, and this is a major rule of drafting in best ball. You don't want to go, ah, I'm going to fire a dart at that fourth round tight end in best ball. It's a rookie, man. I'm going to have Elijah Higgins on my team all year. You don't want to do that. You don't want to get suckered in by drafting tight ends or adding these tight ends that have really exciting profiles and putting them on the back end of your roster. Like, that's not what you want your fifth or maybe sixth tight end to look like. It's a zero. And the reason for that is just understanding what I've talked about in this episode. You don't need to do that. I mean, why are you putting a rookie like Josh Wiley or Will Mallory or Elijah Higgins on your roster in best ball? Understanding that it's going to take them 
a certain degree of success to even get into the range where you're saying, oh, that's Chiga Conquo. That's Kate Otten. Now, it's not a high bar to get to that range. Those names are going to turn over year after year after year. It's not tough for a guy to come in, goes from kind of irrelevant, oh, that's tight end 20, which matters for this construction. But what I don't want to do is hold two or three of those guys and wait for that to happen. Because then you look up and you go, damn, it's week 14. I haven't gotten anything from this guy. Brenton Strange, second round pick, but I'm just going to stash him. But he's on your active roster. He's never even coming close to hitting your lineup. Hell, he's not even playing half the games. So you have to be very careful about how many of those you hold. You don't have a lot of time, and it's going to go for some of the other positions as well, notably wide receiver. You don't have a lot of time to wait. And then you think about the tight end values. Now, receiver values are a little different. We'll talk about that on the receiver show. But then you think about the tight end values, and I already said that once you get to a certain point, the tight end's value is simply what can they do in my lineup. So I think that's a blind spot for people because they're always chasing you know, the next guy in that range that maybe they don't have to become a stud, but they just become usable. And that is desirable in best ball. So you'll see people going, oh man, he could be the next Isaiah Likely. Well, he's a backup on his own team right now, but ooh, he could be the next Kate Otten where he's just a pedestrian profile. But hey, you know what? He could get some opportunity and he could be the starter. So you see that a lot where people kind of think they're hoping they're going to hit on the next tight end that is cheap. And even if they don't have to hit on a stud, they end up with a usable tight end every once in a while. And my rule of thumb is I have to be very careful with how many roster spots I'm willing to take shots on, especially at the tight end position. Because even a success, let's just throw out the example of Elijah Higgins, right? Elijah Higgins could be the next Isaiah Likely, right? Very similar situation. Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, Trey McBride, Elijah Higgins. I like Elijah Higgins. He's an intriguing profile when he moved from receiver to tight end. But you have to think about there's a narrow outcome right there where he's going to be usable for you. So how long are you going to wait? So it makes me say, okay, well, would I ever really roster that type of player? Because certainly I'm not rostering that type of guy in a lineup league. No way. You know that. You're only going to keep two tight ends in a lineup league. No interest rostering a guy like that. But even in best ball, those can be landmines. Those can be danger zone players. And even the best case scenario, he turns into Isaiah Likely. What can you get for Isaiah Likely in a 1.75 start one best ball league? You might be able to get something. Not saying he's worthless. Hell, you might even be able to get more than the third round pick just because he's getting a little bit of buzz. He's played well with Mark Andrews being out. But what really can you get? You put Isaiah Likely on the block. What are you liquidating him for? Even in a best ball league, probably not getting the second. Is he moving the needle to get you to another tight end? Hey, I'll add to Isaiah Likely to get Jake Ferguson. What are you probably having to add? Really close to the value of Jake Ferguson, right? Somebody will take Isaiah Likely back in the deal, but you're probably not getting much credit for him in that trade. So if you think about that path, you want to be careful with how many of these just dart throw. Hey, that guy was an exciting profile as a rookie. Let me add him. You have to be very careful with how you add tight ends because it does take up a roster spot. Of my 30 that I have here, the reason I said five is 
I really don't want to waste any more than that. And I certainly don't want to waste one or two of those five spots on guys that are going to just be complete zeros. And I know there isn't even really a path to any future dynasty value. That's the thing. What is the path? They're usable for my lineup, maybe. But there's many other guys out there that are cheaper that are usable to my lineup right away. I can probably trade a guy like Elijah Higgins for Logan Thomas. And because I don't care about dynasty value, why wouldn't I do that if I think Logan Thomas can produce? Then the other thing is, what's the path to liquidation? That's the only other justification to hold the player is, oh, I'll be able to flip him because of X, because of Y. Something's going to happen in June where I'll be able to flip him. But again, as people start getting closer to the season in best ball, they're looking at, can this guy do anything for my lineup? So you'll notice that, and it's not a great feeling to have in a best ball league where you get to the season and you might have invested a fourth round pick in Elijah Higgins. And now you're going, man, I really can't cut him. So you justify keeping him and thus you'll eat. I don't know how many zeros for the season to the point where you go, man, I wish I would have never drafted him in the first place. So this is a position where there are tons of viable tight ends. I mean, you can go down. I know I said dynasty rankings don't matter, but you can go down the dynasty rankings down into the 60s and 70s. And there's guys like Tanner Hudson, Josh Oliver, Hayden Hurst. I know he may never play again, but tight end 59 if he plays. Hayden Hurst could be one of those guys that weekly could give you justification to hold as one of your five. You know, then there's some names down here where you never know when some of these names may pop back up. Zach Ertz, tight end 71. You know, there's a, there's a lot of names where you go, these could randomly be useful to me during a season. So understanding that, it just makes no sense to really do anything other, build your stable of five, lock in one or two that you think can give you long-term, no disruption of needing to turn that spot over, but then the other three or four spots, and again, five I think is the sweet spot number here, they just need to be usable. So maybe you can go into the offseason not having your five yet. Hell, you might only have two or three. And understanding that I do want to get to that five number, but because the market I know is going to bottom out when I get to a certain range, there's going to be kind of a blind spot where you can go, oh, I'll wait till the season gets close. Then I'll pick between the Jawan Johnsons, Hunter Henrys, Tyler Higbees, Gerald Everett's, Tyler Conklin's, Logan Thomas's. I'll pick the guys in there that I want to go get. So you probably want to have a couple extra third round picks or so that you can fire at a few of those guys. But that's how I'm going to build my tight end rooms going forward. And it's very interesting to kind of feel out your league too. It's a major, major thing you have to understand is what are tight ends valued in your league. It's back to the Brock Bowers point. If you're going to have a chance to draft Brock Bowers, if you have Sam Laporta, because you can build the tight end room like this in best ball, it is more viable, I think, to pivot down from a guy like Laporta to David Njoku. You know, go from Mark Andrews to Jake Ferguson. As long as you build it right from a construction standpoint, you can do those deals. Now, one thing that you will notice in best ball leagues, if you haven't played in many of them or if you're just looking to start one up, it is a lot harder to do these tear-down deals. I mean, you start to see it when you get into questions about start 11, start 12, start 13. It's real hard to give up the three for one. 
it's real hard sometimes to give up the leverage. You know, a deal where in a start 10 lineup league, you'd go, oh, give me the best player. Start 12, people start asking me about, ooh, would you tack on a first to that receiver to get this receiver? You start to examine it differently, and that's generally how best ball works. So being able to build up your construction correct, at the same time building up assets and understanding replacement value from a market perspective. You can go the other way. Let's say you have six tight ends. Now, a couple of them are probably not worth anything on the open market. But let's say you have six tight ends and you're going, you know what? My construction at tight end is good. And I'm sitting here with Pat Fryermuth. Now, Pat Fryermuth probably isn't that great, but he definitely fits into that threshold of guys that you can start in that top 25, top 30 range. But he may be one of the few that actually has some value. Now, you may say, well, what can I get for Pat Fryermuth? The goal here being you don't need that sixth tight end. The three below him on your roster, you can't trade. Or you can only do, well, I'll give you a fourth for Hunter Henry. Now, I'll just hold on to Hunter Henry. But hey, Pat Frymuth, I'll give you a wide receiver that you can use or build as part of your wide receiver stable, and I'll give you a third-round pick. That's where you can kind of leverage and get the leverage or the tear down, and you just stash those assets for later. Why? There's going to be times where you're going to want to have extra picks to throw around in best ball. And why is that? Because you get to the week-to-week game. Hey, I need some more active players. So something to think about. I kind of want to always be focusing on this construction at tight end to be right around five. You can stray a little bit, but the bigger key in best ball, and I did talk about that on that series that I did, uh, five important components, is especially if you don't have a trade deadline, and I've noticed in my best ball leagues, a lot more of them do not have trade deadlines. You want to have the pieces that you can move on the fly, for a weekly player that could be a filler in your lineup. There's going to be times during the year where you say, you know what, I have a guy that I like that's worth a third-round pick, but he has a four-week injury. Can I tack a third onto that player to get the same type of player, but that's not injured? Like, you want to have picks to bail yourself out. It's just like in a lineup league. You want to have extra thirds, maybe a couple extra seconds. Buy the spot start quarterbacks. Buy the spot start running backs. It's the same thing here, but it's different in terms of what you're going to be using it on. It is a week-to-week management game, but it's all about maximizing every one of those 30 roster spots. So that's the takeaway at tight end. You want to go quantity over quality of your 30 roster spots in a 12-team start 11, 1.75 tight end premium. I think five is the sweet spot number. And it doesn't really matter where you get those from as long as they are above that war line. So call it top 25-ish, top 30-ish. I want to strive to get five inside the top 30, just to be conservative. And when I say top 30, that can be a blend of dynasty top 30 or current production top 30 or next year's projected production top 30. And the good thing is, once you get to a certain range, tight end 19 right now and keep trade cut, that literally just blends together where it's random. You know, people will have just artificial dynasty value on a guy like Luke Schoonmaker. And you're going, I can find a guy way cheaper who I would prefer in best ball. So understanding that there's a certain range where just the dynasty value is absolutely irrelevant. You just chase the year-to-year production there. So with that, we'll wrap up this episode. Uh, Part two, we'll talk other positions. I still haven't decided where I want to go yet. I'll I'll probably go with the running back construction next. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'll have to think it through and see what makes most sense. We have 25 roster spots left to play with. 
Uh, so look forward to diving into another position next week. As always, check out everything over at DestinationDevy.com. Dynasty Trades in 5, we will be back live streaming Tuesday night on the 16th of January at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, back to our regularly scheduled time. Uh, Mannequin Shill will come out at the end of the week. Anybody in the Discord also gets access to the full Mannequin Shill episodes a couple days before they are released. And then looking forward to uh, some new stuff coming up on Destination Shill as well. We're going to be talking through War, Trinity, how to use the tools on the website, but more importantly, some more roster construction and best ball talk. We'll be going through uh, some interesting formats. It's not going to necessarily be geared right towards Dynasty, but a lot of the principles are going to apply to it. So looking forward uh, to doing that coming up here. And then also looking forward to going to the Senior Bowl. It'll be the first time that I'm going to the Senior Bowl uh, down in Mobile. That'll be here in a couple weeks, uh, leaving two weeks from today. So that will be exciting. Uh, And it's a great Senior Bowl to go for the first time because it's going to be a star-studded crop of rookies that are coming in, and there's a lot of younger guys there. This is the first year where underclassmen can declare and go to the Senior Bowl. So I'm super excited you know, kind of to see everybody uh, in person, but also see the players in person you know, just to kind of get that visual. I always poo-pooed stuff like that in the past, uh, but numerous people have told me, not even affiliated with DD, that when you go to the Senior Bowl, and you can kind of see everything up close, like there's going to be things that stick in your mind. There's going to be players where you go, man, that guy looks really small. And then other players where you go, that dude's huge relative to everybody else. And you don't always get that when you're watching TV. You definitely don't get that when you're just looking at data or paper profiles. So looking forward to going to the Senior Bowl here in a couple weeks and for an exciting 2024 offseason with Destination Devi. A lot coming on the site. So if you're interested, join the website at destinationdevy.com. Join the Patreon at patreon.com backslash all guys. You get to bonus content on there uh, if you join either one of those. Uh, looking forward to continuing this best ball roster construction series uh, over the next month or so. With that, I will go ahead and sign off. Uh, best of luck to anybody that is doing playoff contests. Uh, that's something that's interesting that we won't really talk about on here, but always kind of a fun wrinkle if you're involved in that. And until next week. I will sign off. Beat you. There's a rumor going back.